the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7. The Word. Welcome to Crosswalk. I'm Haim Goldman, the Watchman. So happy to have you joining us here today. We're, we're talking about something that, uh, you know, I'm passionate about. All Jews are passionate about. You know, I'm a Messianic Jew, but you figured out I'm Jewish because of my name. Hi, I'm Goldman. And uh, I'm also a, a dual citizen of Israel. And so when things went down in, uh, as they did on October 7th, you know, it really hits you hard when you're an Israeli, when you're a Jew. I, kn- I know that as Christians, you love Israel, and we so appreciate that. But but you don't know what it's like because we've been kicked out of everywhere, and we always wait for something like this to happen. And when that happened in Israel, it was so heartbreaking for all of us. And so I, you know, being on the radio, immediately started doing programs about Israel uh, because I wanted you to be able to experience what it was like. I wanted to give you news. I wanted to give you perspective. And I also wanted to help you uh, do advocacy for Israel, because I know it's your heart to do that, but it's so confusing because unfortunately in the media, they seem to be advocating for Hamas, for terrorists, for people who commit evil more than for a sovereign nation that's seeking to defend itself. And so thank you for sticking with me as I did all of that. And then back in December, um, I was invited to speak at the rally for Israel that was uh, on uh, December 10th down at City Hall, and it was organized uh, by members of the Jewish community, and one of them is Ivan Zador, and he is joining me on the program today to—we're um, going to get to meet him, but what he's really here to talk about is Israel and uh, and advocating for Israel and for a service trip, a mission trip of sorts— that he just went on over to Israel to serve people over there who were really affected. Everybody in the country was affected. And I wanted you to get a perspective from a Jew who isn't Messianic. Uh, he, he practices conservative uh, Judaism, but a member of our, our local Colorado Springs Jewish community to give you a perspective on, well, on the things that, that he's passionate about. So Ivan Zador, welcome to Crosswalk. Thank you. It's great to have you here. So give us, we like to meet our guests. I know that you're, you want to talk about Israel and not so much about yourself, but, but you know, it's, it's an ex, people need to know who they're getting their information from and what perspective is it from. So I'll say Ivan Zador is a physician specializing in endocrinology. He's originally from Prague, Czechoslovakia, came to the United States in 1985. And as I said, he's a member of the local Jewish community, and he helped uh, co-organize the wonderful rally for Israel. We had a couple months ago, and I'm talking to him about doing another one. 
because we we need to keep this up. Unfortunately, hatred against Israel and against Jews, it's it doesn't seem like it's going away. <laughs> right. It's been around for a few thousand years, not going away. So so tell us more uh, about yourself and your background, especially, I mean, you come, you, you were born and raised in a communist country. Correct. So, yes, I, I lived in a communist country. Um, I left it when it was a communist country. It's not anymore. Now it's two countries, Czech Republic and Slovakia, and I'm from the Czech part. But And I left primarily because I wanted to live in freedom. So, um, And um, as far as being a, a Jew in a communist country, it was, um, it was not entirely easy. Uh, the, the practice of Judaism was limited. It was kind of um, watched by the the Ministry of Interior, which basically was like secret police. But my main reason for leaving was really the the dictatorship and the desire to live in live in, in freedom. freedom. Well, we're hoping to keep that freedom here in this country yeah. now. Your choice, I mean, to go to to go to America or to Israel or to elsewhere. Why why did you choose America? Yeah, I mean, there there were several um, reasons. One of them was that uh, my sister did the same thing. She had left before I did, and so there were some practical considerations to go okay. somewhere where I already had some had people. Family. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course, of course, changing continents is right. crazy. When we moved to Israel, I know what it's like. You get there, and yeah, not having family there made it hard. So. When October 7th happened, um, you got inspired to to do a rally for Israel. We were looking for someone to do it. We were hoping that someone was going to do it. There was a, a smaller one that was done almost immediately. But what, what brought this about where, where you did that and put it together this uh, on December 10th down at City Hall? Yeah. So so there were two two reasons. One, the primary reason was just the attack itself, the horrendous attack. But really the main um kind of a stimulus for it was the the reaction of of the um, of the world the United States and even Colorado and Colorado Springs and what I mean by that is that uh, almost immediately after the attack even before the Israelis responded declared war so to speak there were voices demonstrations, voices in the media attacking Israel. To me, it was absurd because Israel was just attacked. <laughs> but, the, but, but there was a very strong movement of attacking Israel. And to me, it was, first I was kind of scratching my head, and why is that? But then I realized it makes sense because there was this, there was this um, accumulation of anti-Israel sentiment, and this attack just kind of, Uh, just kind of blew it off and opened up that kind of a pent-up sentiment, and people just said, yes, they attacked Israel, and now we're going to support that. We're going to support that, basically that attack. We're going to support Hamas. In fact, you know, there were some, I remember some, there were some academics, one from Cornell said that he felt invigorated yeah. with this attack. So that really was the primary reason why we decided to organize it And also because locally there have been several rallies and other these teachings, the anti with anti-Israel agenda. So we thought, well, why not do something pro-Israel? 
And how do you think the rally went? What was your what'd you like about the rally? What'd you, what I did think you it think? was I I can honestly say that we were very concerned initially that we will not have enough audience, that people will not come. And then the opposite was true. I think it went very well. Yeah, I think there were, I think, about 200 people um, mm-hmm. there. Um, it was done somewhat on short notice. So the fact, yes. and during December, um, when when so many have things going on, especially in the Christian community, um, what what did you feel as a Jewish person when all of those non-Jews showed up? How, how does that make you feel? Because, you know, throughout <laughs> throughout history, a lot of times Christians have been the persecutors yes, in the yes. situation. I think now they're feeling the heat <laughs> as mm-hmm. being persecuted too for their faith. But I know in Israel when Christians come over, you know, it's. but how did it feel in America? Never thought it should have to feel this way in America. Right. But how did it feel to you to get that support from the Christian community? Yeah. But I have to say we the the we got a great support from the Christian community. And I um I am I am grateful for it so I did it made me feel good that we are supported. Frankly it made me feel good. I, I, I didn't wanna I am not trying to necessarily um kind of go deep and figure mm-hmm. out why. I just know that we need support and that Christians provide the support. And um, we may have to continue this when we come back. We have about a minute left, but start to talk about what is your connection to Israel? Why do you feel so, I mean, you're Jewish, but why yeah. do you feel so connected to Israel? Yeah, I'm Jewish, and I simply, I support Israel because it's the only Jewish state, and I would uh, and I would just draw an analogy. I support Israel the same way as Italian-Americans support or have relationship to Italy, or Polish-Americans have support support or relationship to Poland. So to me, it's pretty much along these lines. It's our homeland. Correct. It's our country. So so we feel connected to it. Yes, we do. Even from continents away, we feel connected to it. Well, when we come back on Crosswalk, Ivan Zador will continue to be our guest throughout the hour. We're going to be talking about the October 7th attacks in Israel, what it means to him personally. and, and a lot more, especially how you can advocate for Israel. You're listening to Crosswalk on The Word, 100.7 FM in Colorado Springs. I'm Chaim Goldman, the Watchman. We're talking about Israel for the whole hour. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Pastor Jack Hibbs of Real Life Radio, and I want to thank you for listening to 100.7 The Word. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk. I'm Chaim Goldman, the Watchman. So happy to have you joining us here today as we are talking about Israel and advocacy for Israel. Our guest for the entire hour is Ivan Zador. He's a member of the local Jewish community, was one of the co-organizers of the rally, wonderful rally for Israel that we had at City Hall back in December. And he is just back from a service trip to Israel to assist and, I guess, love on the people who were really impacted, everybody in Israel was impacted by this, and they still are, but those who were more directly. And we're going to be getting into uh, what he saw over there and, and what this trip was about and how you can 
uh, learn more to be an advocate for Israel, maybe even go over there. But we want to put things in context. And, you know, it's been over four months, hard to believe, since the Hamas attack on Israel, where thousands of uh, Palestinian terrorists came over the border unexpectedly, how they got over the border, what the lapses were in Israeli security. That's something that's going to need to be investigated down the line. Thankfully, it seems that Israel, even though the world is pushing back against Jews defending themselves, which has been throughout history, they don't. The Jews who can defend themselves are not, a, you know, favorites of a lot of uh, countries, and we never thought we'd see it in America and other Western countries again. Never again was supposed to mean something, right, Yvonne? But it it doesn't seem to so much, and this is the importance of of Israel. But um, we're going to recap some of the things that happened on that day because it went out of the news cycle so quickly. As Yvonne mentioned, even before Israel did any kind of attack, the media was already sort of, uh, one reporter calls it, a Holocaust denial in real time. We were seeing things completely flipped, turned around, even claims that it never happened or Israel did it against uh, their own people and crazy yeah. stuff. If you if you know Jews, if you know Israelis, they would never, never do that. So um, we have to get reality and we have to get truth. So Yvonne, what do you want to share? What what hit you when you started hearing the news on October seventh, October eighth? What what really resonated with you? Um, you know, and 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 what did it do to you viscerally? How did it make you feel? Yeah, I remember what I do. Maybe I think it's a bad habit, but what I do every morning, I wake up and I kind of look up a few of these Israeli news sites on my phone. And so that morning, on it was a Saturday. Um, I was, I, I read the, the initial report and first it was not entirely clear. It was just as there was a kind of a, uh, cross-border attack and it wasn't the, 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 um, the severity of it wasn't entirely clear. And then as the day progressed, the number of casualties were going higher and higher. Mm-hmm. And then as the day progressed myself and not just myself, but but millions of other people realized how horrific this attack was and how brutal it was. And um, and like I said earlier, very quickly after that, we started hearing calls for a ceasefire. It's important to realize that until October 6th, there was <laughs> there a was ceasefire. Yes. And Hamas broke that ceasefire. And Hamas started this war in an incredibly brutal way. And um, um, the, there were the, the, the way they, they massacred a, a festival, a music festival, where actually there were about 3,500 3, people and 360 were murdered for 10% of those festival goers were just mowed down by by Hamas. And of course, number of kibbutzim, those little villages mm-hmm. uh, along the border with Gaza were massacred. And um, uh, so, of course, it was very traumatic, um, very traumatic. And I just stopped. That was the, I was just pretty much what I was doing those initial few days was just following the news mm-hmm. and um, not doing much else. Okay. And and it's important that we review this because so much, even President Biden the other day said Israel's response has been over the top. Yes. And, and you know, they talk about proportional responses. Well, what is Israel going to do? Go in and, and rape 
and kill babies and stuff. They're not going to do that. They're fighting a tactical war. Yeah. In fact, and and you know, as an Israeli, if if we were still in Israel, we're citizens. We came back about twelve years ago. But I have a twenty-year-old, a nineteen-year-old, a seventeen-year-old. They would be in the IDF right now if we had stayed over there. It's very, very personal to us. A lot of Israelis, young Israelis, have died because Israel was forced by the international community to not do what we would do in Syria or Russia's doing in Ukraine or Ukraine's doing in Russia, which is to carpet bomb, right? It's to just blow things up. Israel has to go in building by building, house by house. And because of that, hundreds of Israeli young people are dying because the world says that we can't defend ourselves. And and um, let's keep reminding ourselves why Israel had to do this in the first place. The good news, it seems, at least according to Prime Minister Netanyahu, is they're making great progress and hopefully we can see that Hamas is being dismantled so it's not a terror to its own people as well as to Israel and also knocking down the axis of evil that's pushing all this. But um, what did you feel uh, as a Jew that you needed to do? What was the, when, when you finally got over the shock of it and said, I got to do something, Yvonne, what did you say to yourself? <laughs> yeah, so very soon I um, I thought to myself, you know, I should go and and help because I knew that they needed help in various areas. So in my limited capacity, not as a kind of a soldier, but just helping whatever uh, the need would be. So I contacted the the Israeli embassy and they actually emailed me back and they just said, well, we'll put your name on a list and if we need help, we'll contact you. And they never did. And about Two to two and a half months I'm later. I'm sure they were very busy. <laughs> yeah, they were very busy, and ha, ah, we don't need that. Yeah. We don't need a guy right now. So a um, little bit later, one of my friends contacted me, who actually heard about this um, service trip being organized by a um, Colorado organization called Jewish Colorado. So that's um, they have their uh, they are in Denver and they are involved in Jewish life in Colorado in various aspects of Jewish life. And they also have a relationship with uh, uh, with uh, with Israel, but specifically an area in Israel called Ramat HaNegev uh, Regional Council, which is in the Negev Desert in the south of Israel. It's a big area, um, comprises about 25% of Israel, but very sparsely populated. So they have a relationship with that area, and so they organized this, uh, this um, service trip uh, to Israel with the purpose of doing some volunteering, but also with the purpose of just showing up and showing support. Okay, and so what were some of the components of the trip that were, you know, most um, impactful to you? Yeah, so there were quite a few. Uh, the trip was short, uh, three and a half days without travel, but it was full. Of, and there were several, uh, in the, all of it was impactful, but we can concentrate on a few, mm-hmm. uh, on a few kind of uh, points of the trip. Tell us. So um, right after we, uh, uh, on the same, on the first day when we got out of the plane, when we drove to our hotel, uh, we stopped in a, um, we stopped in a Bedouin town. And just to inform the audience, Bedouins, it's a, those are tribes, uh, Arab, uh, Muslim tribes, um, nomadic by historically. Um, living mainly in the deserts of the Middle East. And in Israel, 
many of the Bedouins, not all, but many of them are supportive of the state of Israel. Yes. And some of them serves in the, ar- serves, uh, serve in the armed forces. So um, we visited um, a gentleman. His name was Ismail. And the reason why we visited him was that he has an amazing personal story uh, where he, um, on the day of the attack, his nephew was nearby a kibbutz that was viciously attacked, and his his nephew was hiding in some bushes nearby the kibbutz. Uh, And so he got a basically distress call, come and save your nephew. Okay. Well, when we come back, we're going to continue this because I want to hear more about the trip. We're spending the whole hour with Ivan Zador, who is a local member of the Jewish community, uh, who helped organize the Israel rally and, and just went on a service trip to Israel. When we come back, we're going to continue talking to Ivan about the trip, things that really impacted him and impacted them. And also, we're going to be talking about advocacy for Israel and how you can get involved. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk. I'm Chaim Goldman, The Watchman, and we're spending the entire hour talking about Israel. We have as our guest Ivan Zador, who's a member of the local Jewish community, one of the co-organizers of the Rally for Israel that was held at City Hall back in December, and he is just back from a service trip to Israel. And so when we finished the last segment, he he knew we were running out of time, wanting to get into some stories about this whirlwind three and a half day trip that he had on the ground in order to support those who were very much affected by the attacks on October 7th. So Yvonne, when we left, you were talking about a Bedouin, because people people don't realize over 20%, 20% of the Israeli population are Arabs. They have full yes. rights, yes. citizenship, they're in the government. And they many of them, most of them, realize if they haven't been indoctrinated into these radical mindsets that Israel is an amazing country to live in, especially in that area of the world. They love the country. They love uh, their Jewish brethren. They serve in the armed forces. So you were talking about a Bedouin family that was involved and assisted. So please continue. Yeah. So this um, gentleman, uh, once he heard that his nephew was um, in danger, he um, they, they have a huge family. So he um, contacted a couple more of his nephews, and then they uh, drove with their, I think they had a land, land Rover, and they drove to the area. And uh, once they got close, he saw people, young people, running away. So this was at the music festival. This right? was close to it. Right. It was close to the music festival, and one of the kibbutzim, kibbutz Barry, there was massacred. So there was okay. right in that area. Everything is very close. And you heard these stories directly from this person. While oh you yeah, were there. we yeah. we were in his in his home, oh, and he the whole group was in his home, and uh, he spoke in Hebrew, and we had an interpreter an English Hebrew interpreter. So, yes, this is from him. And so he drove there with the intention of saving his nephew, but then he saw these young people running away from the festival to to basically save their lives. There was another truck there, and he asked carefully, because he wasn't sure if they were terrorists or not, he asked them, what are you doing here? And they explained, we are saving these people because they are being, being massacred. And, and trying to get them away from wow. this area. So instead of 
just going and saving his nephew, he decided he'll help, and he started loading these people into the SUV as many as he could. He drove them away from danger, must have been at least, I don't know how many kilometers, but quite a distance, and then drove back and picked up more people. While this was ongoing. Oh, he said uh, bullets were whizzing by them. They could have been killed any minute. Any time they could have been killed. And he was doing this for uh, several hours. And he was able to save about 40 people. Mm. Going, picking them up, leaving, driving back, picking up more, driving them away. But eventually, he said, it's time to save my nephew, who was hiding nearby, and he was able to save him and an Israeli Jewish woman who was hiding with him. And to me, the the power of the story was the fact that, aside from the personal bravery of his and his nephews, was the fact that he he was an Arab Muslim saving Jews. And so he really became kind of a legend in Israel, as he should be. So that was a powerful story. Oh. What what else? What other experiences or stories would you like to tell? Uh, yes, there were many. Every day we uh, we had um, we we had a program every day, but uh, we were able to volunteer on a farm um, a couple of mornings. It was a vegetable farm, and we um, packaged vegetables, uh, carrots, and be- and peas, and then we also. Um, pulled weeds um, in a large onion field, and uh, the farm was very close to Egypt, so you could see the watchtowers on the Egyptian side. And uh, while we were picking those weeds and and uh, packaging, you could see the you could you could hear a rumbling of the artillery or explosions from Gaza. You couldn't see it, but you could hear it all along. And um, the with the farming, the situation is that um, um, the farmers primarily employ foreign workers. And with the attack, understandably, all of those foreign workers left yeah. back to their home countries. And the farmers. Many, many were uh, uh, kidnapped yes, also, right? And murdered. And yeah. murdered. So now the farmers are pretty much largely dependent on volunteers. And so we did only for two mornings, but uh, we were very glad that we were able to help. And if you know, in Israel, winter is actually rainy season. Oh, yeah. And, and they need people. It's not just you're thinking, hey, it's winter. What do you need? No, in Israel, in the temperate oh, zone, they're harvesting things all the time. Yeah, it's the, the whole year because they have those those uh, hot houses and they, they basically grow vegetables the whole year mm-hmm. or fruit and other uh, other produce. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What else? What, yeah. what else was memorable from your trip? Yeah, we spoke to the mayor of the region. Spoke to us, uh, who uh, who said that uh, he had to step in because the government was overwhelmed. So he has to step in, and he had to accept um, he had to accept displaced people from the Gaza envelope and also from the north, because right after the start of the war, Hezbollah, which is another terror organization in Lebanon, uh, controlled by Iran, started basically shelling the, shelling the uh, uh, north, uh, northern uh, region of Israel. So um, there are now 200,000 displaced people in Israel. 200,000 may not seem like a large number, but if you realize... <laughs> it seems the, pretty the, large. The pop, no, if you, I'm going to put it in perspective. Right. 
if you realize the population of Israel compared to the U.S., so right. the U.S. is like 37 times higher population. So 200,000 people in Israel is about 7 million in the U.S., well over the population of Colorado. So you can see it is a very large number of people. And even 200,000, that's, uh, you know, 40% of the size of uh, Colorado Springs. Right. But it's, mm-hmm. So my, my point is that it's a very large number of people. We don't hear about it in the media. That they need to that they they need to be taken care of. They are basically internal refugees, right? So um, so they are placed in hotels. In fact, in the hotel where we stayed, most of those people were from a kibbutz from the from northern Israel. And do you have a chance to speak to them? Uh, no, not directly. Okay. And primarily, it was to respect their privacy. I mean, I could see that they're very somber. Yeah, they're, they're kind of inward, yeah. and I didn't feel comfortable kind of asking them. About how about their experiences? So we have a couple minutes left in this segment, and when we come back, we're going to talk about advocating for Israel. We're going to dispel some of the the horrible media myths that people are putting out there. But overall, being in the country of Israel while they're in wartime, um, I was there during the Second Intifada and also the Second Iraq War. Um, what's the temperament? What were you feeling from the people? Is you know, it's it's a horrible situation, but. Israelis are amazingly resilient. So what was your impression overall of the temperament in the country while you were there? Yeah, so there was uh, exactly exactly the resilience, the, the kind of the fortitude is amazing, but uh, and the kind of the resolve, but you could clearly see you could clearly see that this was a huge trauma uh, and uh, they also from their how they talked about the events from their body language, from the emotions, how they shared it, were sharing with us. And um, it's a huge national trauma on the multiple levels. The attack is one. The kind of the, the fact that this could happen is another one, that this somehow there was a failure to prevent right. this. Uh, and again, we could talk about that, why that's a, those are just, just another completely other issue. But uh, they acknowledge that this trauma probably will continue for generations. So it's a kind of a multi-level trauma. And um, we, uh, I would like to mention just uh, in the next segment that we also spoke to some soldiers and what they told us um, about it. Uh, so it's clearly kind of a mix of uh, resolve and um, trauma. Well, thank you. Well, we're spending this entire hour talking about Israel with Ivan Zador, a member of the local Jewish community, organizer of the Rally for Israel that happened in the Springs. And he's just back from a service trip to Israel. So now from that, you you know how you can pray for the Israeli people. When we come back, we're going to tell the story about the soldiers, and then we're going to talk about how you can be an advocate for Israel here at home, because, folks, we have to do it in our local area. That's where it counts. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk. I'm Chaim Goldman, The Watchman, and we're spending this whole hour talking about Israel with Ivan Zador, who's a member of the local Jewish community, one of the co-organizers of the Rally for Israel that happened at City Hall in December. He's just back from a service trip to Israel, and we're going to get at one more story from soldiers about the trip, things that he, that he learned, and then we're going to finish up the program talking about lies that you hear about Israel that you really need to get the facts on and how you can advocate for Israel, because we do—I'm not saying the government's perfect, it's not— 
but the nation of Israel is necessary because, you know, as a Jew, I know our history for thousands of years, eventually we're kicked out of everywhere. No matter how good it is, it gets bad, and we hope it doesn't happen in America, but this is what why the nation of Israel is so important, and from the river to the sea means the annihilation of the Jewish people, so don't buy into that. Yvonne, what do you tell us about your, your talk with the soldiers? Yes, so just briefly, we had dinner that we helped prepare, and then we sat with the soldiers in the yard and kind of talked with them. And um, then the soldier sitting next to me, I, I did ask him, how do you think this will end? What is the, what is the end of this conflict, this specific conflict, not the whole big conflict, <laughs> but this specific conflict? Messiah comes yeah, back, right. that's the end of the conflict. Right, and... Um, he said, uh, he asked me, did you watch the videos from, from, uh, from uh, the, the, the onslaught, which many of us was filmed actually by Hamas, So there's right? like about a 45-minute compilation that they limitedly showed to the press. Right. Yeah. And he said, no, I, I ad- admitted, I know I, I didn't make myself, I, I couldn't, um, I, I just couldn't watch it. I was kind of embarrassed, I told him, but I couldn't watch it. And he said, you know, in those videos, um, after the armed Hamas members, there were... Up to there were like thousands of civilians, meaning people who didn't have guns, uh, from Gaza, following the armed members with knives, with axes, with hoes, and they came. They came on bikes. They came on motorbikes. They 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 were pedestrians. They were followed them and did exactly the same thing: pillaging, murdering, taking hostages. Well, just bloodlust. Thousands yeah. and but civilians. So he told me after seeing that, after seeing this, this not just the armed Hamas, but the civilians did the same thing. He said, I don't see any other solution to this specific conflict than reoccupying Gaza. I said, it's my opinion, but that's how I feel. In fact, uh, according to some polls, up to 30% of Israelis now feel that way. Mm -hmm. There was another soldier who said that he is a little toddler and uh, when he picks the toddler up, he sees the little baby who was kidnapped, who turned one in captivity, and that kind of gives him the resolve to fight. And there is another little story I want to mention uh, from the, the kibbutz that we went to right on the border with Gaza. They have a very thick, tall wall that was built um, that was built to protect uh, from Gaza and from Egypt because the kibbutz had been attacked many times in the past. And the uh, terrorists were able to breach that wall, and then they were repelled. But um, because they had both a security team and they had some IDF soldiers nearby. But the the point I want to make is this: that um, the uh, the administrator of the kibbutz told me told us that the day before, the the, the defense minister Gallant was there, and then he asked them what would you like us to do for you to go back? Because that kibbutz is completely empty. It's like desolate. People left. Those are the displaced people. And he said uh, that wall should be gone. We need to be safe to live here. The wall that we have there uh, should be gone, meaning there shouldn't be no threat coming from Gaza. Mm-hmm. So in the in the little bit of time we have left, you know, as someone who's been to Israel, and we don't have time to go into these details, go and go and get this information for yourself. Um, PragerU has a lot of videos. There's other places to, you know, this is all modern history, the last hundred years, right? It was well documented. What are, what are the three big lies, briefly, that you know because on the ground in Israel, you just know it's not happening? 
the the three big lies, and that's the that's part of advocacy. That mm-hmm. uh, I would like to go yeah, into some yeah, detail. Able, yeah. yeah, in the time in the time we have left, we have about four minutes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> One big lie that uh, should be corrected wherever possible that Israel uh, is a settler colonial state. Uh, so colonialism is defined as um, roughly as a policy of a country going into another country to control the country and to use its resources, etc. Well, Israel is not a colonial state. When it was created, there was no other country. There was the British mandate. And um, so, uh, and Israel has nowhere to go, nowhere back. It has nowhere to go. So, for example, like, uh, example, France colonized Algeria, was defeated. French went back right, to, to France. France yeah. uh, the Jews from Israel has no other country, have nowhere to go. So, how can it be a colonial state? Well, and being our historic homeland right, for thousands right. of years, how can it right, right, right. be a colonial right. right. The other um, accusation is that Israel is an apartheid state. So apartheid means separateness, uh, racial division. 20% of the population of Israel, about 2 million people, are Israeli Arabs who have full rights, completely full rights. And the only thing you need to know is go there and see it. There have been some accusations that in the West Bank there is apartheid. But first of all, West Bank is not really part of Israel. It's the disputed territory. So it's not part of Israel. So saying that Israel is apartheid state doesn't really count. Plus all the the barriers and checkpoints, they haven't been always there. They've been there only since the 90s or 2000 because of the terrorist attack. So it is simply a security purpose to have those, not some kind of a other separation. Mm-hmm. The third um, accusation that Israel commits genocide, and all we need to do is look at demographics. When Israel took over Gaza in 1967 from Egypt after the war, six-day war, there were about 390,000 in Gaza, people living in Gaza. Now it's 2 million. The West Bank, they took over from Jordan in 1967. There are, I believe, 900,000 people living in the West Bank. Now there are 2 million. So just by looking at the demographics, genocide is defined as a purposeful killing of a large number of members of a certain nation to destroy that nation. So it's... The, if, these Israel numbers, is, if, the, if Israel has genocidal uh, uh, intentions, it's horrible at bringing them about. The, these numbers obviously uh, make uh, prove that there is no, absolutely no sense in this accusation. All these three accusations are meant to delegitimize Israel and dehumanize Israelis. Okay. Yvonne, we have about a minute left. What do you want to say to to your neighbors? Uh, here in Colorado Springs about being an advocate for Israel and also against anti-Semitism in our, in our community because we've seen some. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the, um, the connection of, uh, there's a close connection. Uh, the, you, you can certainly criticize Israel. It's, it's absolutely legitimate to criticize Israel. But once criticized, Israel is singled out compared to other countries and it's criticized in a biased way then to me, that's anti-Semitism. To me, that's anti-Semitism. There's a very close connection to uh, an overlap between you know, unfair criticism of Israel and anti-Semitism. And the other thing is that if you support Israel, uh, I would encourage you to go to Israel. These missions are, there's a, there's a, 
there is a federation called Jewish National Fund that organizes these short uh, mission trips to Israel on a regular basis. And Israelis, they very much appreciate support, the support from their friends. Yvonne right. Zador, thank you so much for spending this hour with us on Crosswalk. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. So you've been listening to Crosswalk. We've been talking about Israel advocacy. We could easily talk for another hour or two. And I appreciate Yvonne bringing these personal stories in. And yes, go to Israel. That's what we want to let go. Put feet on the ground. Once you're there, you'll understand. And those who don't, don't. And and um, uh, what the media is saying about Israel and, and the problem that that's causing, remember, this is a war against against uh, those who are evil, and we need to push back against this. I'm Chaim Goldman, The Watchman. You've been listening to Crosswalk on a 100.7 FM, The Word. Catch all of our episodes on our website, thewordfm1007.com. Join me tomorrow on AM 1460 at 3 p.m. We have Mayor Yemi on the peak. Now let's get out there and do what's right. 100.7, The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.